Hey, how you doing? This is Wade with Wade for Wireless. And welcome back for another episode of Wade for Wireless with all your wireless updates, news, and information. Just sit back and relax. Hey, how you doing? This is Wade with Wade for Wireless. And today I want to talk about indoor connectivity for the smart city. I know what you're thinking. What does indoor connectivity have to do with the smart city? What is indoor connectivity for the smart city? And is it part of a smart building? I mean, really, Wade, who cares? Indoor connectivity is very important. I mean, just think about when you go in a building. Do you expect your smartphone to stop working? And could you imagine if it would di- if it did, if it just stopped working the minute you entered a building? It sucks, right? It happens sometimes. You go in an elevator, it dies, you're right in the middle of a call, you're doing whatever, and it just doesn't work. I mean, it really stinks. So what if public safety's radios stopped working in a building? Could you imagine that? And that doesn't have to do with a smart city. That should just be any building. There's a lot of regulations now where they expect that to work. And it just, you know, sometimes it doesn't. There's dead zones, there's dead spots. But That's why the indoor connectivity of buildings is crucial for the smart city. You can't expect coverage to stop just because you go in a building. You have to expect it to continue and to be awesome. So to be blunt, you expect your device to stop working when you go inside any building. Seriously, of course not. You don't expect it to. So before we go on, I want to thank Tower Tracker Pro, towertrackerpro.com. For all that they do with their software as a service for closeout packages. That's right. If you have crews go out to a tower site, to a building top, to anything for a closeout package, have them get everything right the first time by having them walk through step by step the package. Uh, what the package does, basically software, it's either on your iPhone or your tablet. It tells them what information to add, which they probably already know that. But this way you don't miss steps. They don't skip steps. Plus, It not only tells them what pictures to take and where, but it automatically populates a form. So when they're done with the package, they can save it. They can send it off to the cloud and then someone in the office can pull it down and take a look at it because these files are generally pretty big because there's tons of pictures. I mean, um, if you ever done carrier work, they just want a ton of stuff for closeout. Now everyone's getting to that point. They want all these pictures. Remember, you got to pay for this. It ain't free. But Then you have your whole package. You have someone back at the office to audit it before the crew leaves, and you get everything right in one visit. One visit, done. TowerTrackerPro.com. I'd also like to thank Tower Safety and Instruction at TowerSafety.com. They have done a great job in training people. They're an Arizona credit at school, and we really appreciate all that they do. And now they have a website that has a lot of OSHA training and training that you really need or want when you're doing tower work. So what they do, they have training on teltech-college.com. Teltech, T-E-L-T-E-C-H-college, C-O-L-L-E-G-E.com. And that's where they have training, say, on 5G. You can get books. You can get scope of work training. You can get drone training for tower work. And then the OSHA training, safety training, first aid training, anything you need to update your training. Now, if you're going to do tower climbing, You still need the on-site tower climbing training. You still need to get that sage advice, and you need to do it. And you need to rescue someone off the tower. So they have two types of training. They have the Teltech College, Teltech-College, and then towersafety.com if you want to schedule a class with your crews. All right, let's get back to this. Back to inside connectivity 
for the smart city because it matters. It really matters to keep us connected. So the indoor coverage, we have to think of the entire building. Now, what happens is, and I know this from the past, generally people want the coverage specific to where the people are. And I get that. Uh, th this really holds true for like Wi-Fi, small cells, you know, carrier coverage, things like that. But things are changing. So we have to break it into two things. If you're talking public safety, you have to cover the entire building. Because when they go in the building, what happens in an emergency? It's the stairwells, it's the hiding places, the basements. Those are the areas where public safety really needs to be covered. And there are regulations in some cities where they have the fire department go out and they test in every part of the building. If there is a fire, I mean, people aren't going to stay in the main areas. They're going to leave because there's generally an exit. I hope people don't stay in their offices because they're going to leave. But we, we have so many more threats now than we used to have. We have the fire department that could have a fire in a building where they have to rescue people. And chances are the places where they're going to stay safe, the people in the building, the stairwells, maybe a basement, you know, they're going to try to find the place that won't burn. Okay. Chances are those are the places that the building doesn't cover for a lot of things. Their smartphone may not work and their, uh, uh, they may not, the phone system, there may not be a phone there. And trust me, I worked on a lot of roofs and a lot of basements and a lot of buildings. They only put a phone where they need to because it costs money to put it there. It doesn't make sense. They only put coverage where they need to. Not a lot of coverage on roofs. Not a lot of phones on roofs. Sometimes there are, sometimes they don't work. And in basements, it's the same way. I mean, it's really something to think about. So you want your first responders to have coverage everywhere. On the roof, in every building, in every stairwell, and in the basement, in the sub-basement, whatever you got, in the elevator. So it's something to think about. Public safety matters, and we really should have more regulation. But I'm not here to talk about that. I just want to make a point. I'm here to talk about the coverage that you need, the broadband in the smart city. I'm sorry, in the building for the smart city. Now, most buildings are smart buildings, but that doesn't mean they have good coverage in the building. A smart building just could mean it has, you know, smart thermostats or uh, it, it can you can remotely monitor the meters or you know what the utilities are. You have all the air conditioners remotely monitored. Really, that's all they're looking for with a smart building. I'm here to talk about the city and the smart building and how it's going to be connected and what they're going to do to get the broadband in there, to get the IoT, the narrowband, get everything working, get your smartphone working, get all those devices working. So what are we going to do? We're going to find a way to get the building connected, completely connected. So inside the building, the foundation really of any broadband system is fiber. We have to run it not only from the telco room to every floor, but on every floor out to every data room. These buildings, you got to think of a city. A city, the buildings are generally larger. You may have an older building that's harder to run that, but we still need fiber as a backbone. Fiber's got to be run in every, every building. It's got to be there. It's got to be laid out. If you have the opportunity to plan uh, uh, rolling out fiber in a building, it's a good thing because so many times it's an afterthought. Trust me, I wired a lot of buildings for fiber, for cable, for copper. Yeah, I bid on a lot of stuff for that. And it's just a lot of work and nobody ever thinks about it. And when you get in there, you disturb everybody else's cable. It'd be nice if they had channels for everything, but they outgrow things. Now, the good news is some of these buildings are willing to pay the money to remove the old copper because copper is just not used like it used to be, which does bring me to my next point because you have copper and you have cable. And when I say cable, I mean like the, the RG75 that the cable companies use. 
you have to remember in some of these small businesses, the cable companies used what they had to get broadband to these offices because the cable company was a viable uh, solution to get broadband to many of these buildings. And they also had a pretty good sales force out there to help people get by the phone company. Phone companies have really changed, you know, because now you get fiber from so many different people. But in the old days, the cable company gave them an alternative to T1s or to DS3s or something like that. They just gave them uh, broadband. But it's expensive to run that too. You might as well just run fiber everywhere, connect in the basement like a demarcation point and then have a demarcation point in each building. And it, it just, you know what, if you guys have ever done any telco work in buildings, I've done a lot of it. And you always have your demarcation points. You had your demarcation point in the basement, your demarcation point up on a specific floor. It wasn't always in a closet. Sometimes it was in a hallway, a stairwell, or an office. You had to walk through somebody's office. But you got to look at that. And the other thing with copper is once you have your demarcation for your fiber, chances are you're going to run Cat 5 to the rest of that building. I mean, you have, what, roughly 300 feet that you can run Cat 5, a little over 300 feet. 100 meters is what the limitation is. I think it still is for Cat 5. And uh, you're also probably going to run power over Ethernet if you go to the next thing, which is Wi-Fi. Now, I won't spend a lot of time on Wi-Fi because it's been around forever. I think everyone's done a Wi-Fi deployment. But you, you can do PoE to the Wi-Fi. It's very easy, very straightforward. And that's the easiest connection. Go to any hotel. They have Wi-Fi everywhere. They realize people get tired of plugging in. They want Wi-Fi. They want Wi-Fi in the lobby. They want Wi-Fi in their room. They want Wi-Fi in the hallway. The only thing is with these Wi-Fi uh, connections, when you go to a hotel, it's sort of frustrating when they only allow one person per room to connect. I mean, what if a family visits a room? How stupid is that? Then a lot of times they want you to pay for the Wi-Fi connection. What's odd is it seems like the more expensive the hotel is, they, they want you to pay for the Wi-Fi. The more, uh, let's say, cost-effective the hotel is, they, usually the Wi-Fi is free. And it works well. I use it all the time. And now the next thing, I brought up LTEU because that's up and coming. I can really see LTEU taking over. You have LTE. And the reason I say that, I think the carriers will like it because it's really going to be a viable alternative to Wi-Fi that the carriers can hand off to easier. You see, the way Wi-Fi works with a smartphone is different. It's a connection. It's a home point. And every time you go to a different uh, Wi-Fi hotspot, you go to a different home point. It's a little more effort to roam on Wi-Fi. You can do it. Works well, but not great. Whereas with LTE, everything's back at the core and you can roam from LTE hotspot to LTE hotspot. That's why when you're going down the highway and you're browsing Google for something, you don't have to constantly connect to a new um, uh, to a new ESSID like you do on Wi-Fi. It knows. It just hands off seamlessly. That's why I think LTEU is going to be a game changer and for Volte too, voice over LTE. Once that's in every device, I, I really see that taking over and just being awesome, at least for your smartphone. I brought up public safety bands before. I'm just going through my list here. Wade for Wireless, W-A-D-E, the number four, wireless.com. That's where I have my um, list of this. So you can actually go through all these. But the public safety bands are going to be critical, and they're going to be built out very different than, uh, say, than the broadband systems. However, you got to remember, FirstNet is going to roll out with AT&T. Now, granted, they have dedicated spectrum, but AT&T is just going to put it in their system, uh, the 700 megahertz spectrum. But the reason I bring that up is because FirstNet won't necessarily replace public safety broadband to begin with. What they will do is they'll give you 
they'll give you. They'll give the public safety, the first responders, broadband in a building. So it's going to be critical that that is built out everywhere, that you can roll that out everywhere. And FirstNet has to find a way to do that. Well, not FirstNet. AT&T has to find a way to do that. FirstNet's just going to sit back and hope AT&T can build it out. But uh, AT&T has to figure out how to do that for FirstNet. They got to put it in the buildings, whether it's a DAS system, whether they put small cells in. But for the public safety bands, for the push to talk, they're still going to need DAS or they're going to need their radios. It's it's a very different system. The push to talk systems could be Tetra, could be P25. Whatever they're going to put in, it's going to be very different. But you really have to think of the public safety aspect. And the other thing about public safety, you're going going you are going to want coverage more than just the public areas, more than just the areas where the people are. You're going to have to give them coverage in the hard, to, like the hard to cover areas, like the, the the stairwells, the basements, the rooftops that I was talking about earlier. So I don't know if they're going to extend that to first net or not. I don't know what the first net plan is. I would imagine it's to cover everything so the first responders can talk everywhere. Now I also bring up DAS systems, which this is a little bit of a cry from Spectrum, but the thing about DAS systems is when you have the larger arenas, the stadiums, or even a large venue, there's still DAS systems out there that will continue to be upgraded and improved. But the, the, the thing I want you to think about is it's not necessarily cost effective for a building. And I know the carriers don't want to put it in. By the way, DAS is Distributed Antenna System, D-A-S, Distributed Antenna System. However, there's still a viable way to get the signal out there for the carriers. And there's also a viable way to get voice out there. And hey, I love DAS systems. They're crucial for the wireless infrastructure. And plus, you can run not only the carrier spectrum over it, but they have public safety DAS. They have all kinds of DAS systems you can put in a building. But now digital DAS has taken over, which is very similar to a small cell. You have a digital radio head out there, and you have a control center where, the uh, say, a small cell could even feed it. And then you just have a separate radio head somewhere else. So I want you to think about that. It's just an alternative way. Well, it's not alternative. It is the original way that they covered all these buildings. They put in DAS systems, but they're a little expensive to put in and a small cell is a lot easier. And in my eyes, a little more cost effective, but it, it depends on the size of the building because DAS serves a great purpose. If you have a large venue like a stadium, you're still going to want a DAS system because it, it covers a lot. You can hook it up to a macro site. You can do intense loading. So I brought DAS in, not necessarily as a spectrum, but as a solution because DAS is going to be a great solution or it is a great solution, but it, you have to balance the cost with the payback. And I know the carriers don't necessarily want to pay for DAS anymore. Just something to think about. Now, I bring up another band, going back to band, CBRS, because the Citizens Broadband Radio Service, which is 3.5 gigahertz, 3550 to 3700, that's going to be key because it's lightly licensed. Anybody's going to be able to do it. It's going to use LTE. I see that as a viable alternative to the carriers putting a licensed ban in these buildings. So companies like SpiderCloud and Ruckus are just going to be able to boom. They're going to be able to boom with this. So they're going to be able to do so much with rolling this out. It's really going to be impressive. And uh, I just see it. I, I, I go into depth in the blog. Like I cover, it's slightly licensed. Who has the license? And then there's going to be authorized shared access. And that's basically going to tell you who gets it. Like for instance, authorized shared access. And I know I'm redundant with, with the CBRS I talk about all the time, but you have incumbent access, which is including the federal government, the satellite providers, priority access, licenses, pal. And I go through all that in the blog, uh, general access users, uh, general, yeah, GAA, general access user. I'm not sure general access, 
but it's licensed by rule, which requires the rules to be followed and dedicated in that band. Uh, like a PAL could do it. And a PAL is a priority access license, someone who already has a license, a priority user. But the great thing is with this, you can have license sharing. If someone's not using it in an area, you can put it on your spectrum. You just have to know if you're not licensed for it or if someone has a nationwide license, they can come in and take over. A lot of vendors are using this, SpiderCloud, Ruckus, Nokia, Ericsson, Samsung, IP Access, and Acceleron. They're all big into it. And I know I brought this up before. I had another blog post on this. If you're interested, go take a look. But I'm just bringing it up because it's interesting how now we have a shared spectrum. And I spend a lot of time on that. So to sum it up, we're going to have a lot of options. We have to cover inside the building. We have to come up with ways to do it. And I think what we have to do is understand that the smart city goes well beyond the building, well beyond the uh, city outside coverage. We actually want to cover inside the building. We can't always do that from outside. Although some carriers have tried that, they haven't been successful. You have to get in the building. You have to cover the buildings. You have to cover on the streets. That's what they want because they want to give not only broadband, but they want the devices to be connected too. It's narrowband, broadband. It's whatever it takes to get everything connected. All right, everybody. That's it for this week. Take care. Be smart. Be safe. Remember, I have my LTE deployment handbook. I also have the 5G deployment handbook. And I have the Smart City Planning Handbook, which is coming out soon. Be smart, be safe, and pay attention. See ya. forget you have the wireless deployment handbook out there that's right at wadeforwireless.com you have the wireless deployment handbook that is on sale now and now it's available in paperback on amazon can you believe it wireless deployment handbook available on amazon in kindle version and paperback and also available in pdf go ahead check it out wadeforwireless.com Hey folks, it's available, the 5G Deployment Plan. That's right, the 5G Deployment Plan Handbook. I have the ebook out there for you in Amazon paperback, a full color 8.5 by 11 inch version, the Amazon Kindle version, the full PDF on CellFi, and the full PDF on Gumroad. It's all about the 5G deployment. Go to wade4wireless.com and look for 5G Deployment Plan. It's in there just for you. I'd like to take a moment to thank my sponsors, Tower Safety and Instruction, found at towersafety.com. I'd like to thank them for all the good work they do in training. They're an accredited school out in Phoenix, Arizona, but they serve people nationwide for all your tower training, safety, and drone training needs.